one out of a hundred. Those are the statistics I was told. One out of a hundred listeners give. A generous donor gave Time of Grace $155,000 for a challenge grant. That means when you give a gift of any amount to Time of Grace during the month of August, it will be doubled. Now, I've been meeting a lot of you guys in person lately, and I think Little Things listeners are not the typical one out of a hundred. I think we're one out of five. In truth, I think we are one of a kind. And just so you know, I'm not asking you to do something that I don't also do. I love to give to Time of Grace especially when there's a matching challenge. So please consider making a contribution in August to Time of Grace. And if you do, make sure you tell them you listen to little things because I want to come back and let you guys know just how generous you were. Just go to timeofgrace.org. And remember, the money is going to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to the world. Today's episode is called, Are You Open to Advice? I don't know if you've been in the book of Proverbs recently like I have been, but I came across a passage in Proverbs that made me just stop in my tracks. Proverbs 12, verse 1, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. It was the word stupid that caught my attention. First of all, I thought, wait a second, did I just read that? Is that in the Bible? That's in the Bible, right? Okay, so it said stupid. So I went back and I wrote it down and I kind of thought, okay, I need to break this down because I don't want to be stupid. I certainly don't want to be stupid in God's eyes. So what is he trying to get at here? So first of all, I thought I got to figure out what discipline is, right? The dictionary definition is the practice of training to a code of behavior. I like to say that discipline is correcting the bad while rewarding the good. As we train our children, it's not just a matter of, you know, telling them when they do something wrong. I have found with my own children, the most powerful motivator for them really is the positive reinforcement. So if I want them to do something good, then a lot of times it's me acknowledging, hey, that was awesome when you did that. Thank you so much for doing that. I noticed when you did this. So it's not just a matter of you know, correcting the bad or pointing out the bad, but also, you know, rewarding and acknowledging the good. So discipline, first of all, is that idea of, you know, feeling the bad effects or the consequences while also feeling the good, um, you know, what comes that is good when you do something right. So it's not just one way. So Okay, so whoever loves discipline, that means that training and experiencing the bad, but also noticing the good, loves knowledge. So what is knowledge? Knowledge is what is known. It's the facts, the information, the skills acquired through experience or education. Now, this is what I've learned mostly because I'm a third child. So you don't have to actually experience everything. You just need to pay attention or take note Um, of what others are doing and the consequences or the praise that they get for what they do to learn from their experience. 
So I didn't have to do and make all the mistakes of my older siblings. I could just watch them and go, ooh, I don't think I ever want to do that because that did not turn out well. And, you know, not just in a sibling relationship, but you don't need to drink to excess to experience the hangover in order to figure out that that might not be a good idea. If you go out with friends and you see someone really binging on on drinking and then talk to them the next day and they can barely move, you know, you can ascertain the same thing. You don't have to experience it. You just need to be aware and take note and watch what's going on. You don't have to own a huge yard to understand how much time it's going to take out of your week to mow or rake or to keep up with it. You can just visit a friend who owns several acres and ask them how they spend their week. And you can kind of get an idea from what they're going through. So it's really a matter of this knowledge, this accumulated knowledge is just a matter of going through life with your eyes open, your ears open, taking note, um, seeing what really works for people and what doesn't. You see this all the time on social media. Someone posts a picture, you know, they've lost 50 pounds and everybody's like, hey, what'd you do? And of course, no one wants to hear, oh, you know, I quit eating A, B, C, D, and E. And I started instead taking walks and doing all this other, everybody's sort of like, please tell me there's a super quick and easy way to just lose weight magically overnight. So anyway, that's what knowledge is. So knowledge is just this idea of acquiring skills, information, facts, that's, that's going to teach you something, right? So if you love discipline, you love knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. So I had to look up what stupid was, and it means having or showing a lack of intelligence, common sense, or showing a disregard for what is evident. So if you're going down the highway and the, the sign says, hey, the speed limit is 60 miles per hour, but you're going 80, and the person in the car next to you says, um, hey, I I think the speed limit is 60 miles an hour. And you're like, nah, that's for everybody else, not me. That's stupidity, right? Um, It's not paying attention to what is obvious, what is evident. The training would be if you're pulled over and you get a $300 or $400 ticket and higher insurance That might remind you the next time you're going down the highway that you should maybe pay attention to that speed limit sign because it is what is evident and you're not immune from that. So common sense will tell you, hey, last time I did that, I had a negative reaction. I had a negative consequence, so I don't want to be there again. I've mentioned, and most recently in my interview with Dr. Bruce Becker, uh, that was called You Are Gifted for More, that strategy is my number one trait for personality. And in Dr. Bruce Becker's career, he's had these positions that having a keen sense of what needs to happen or what could bring about improvement has been just this total blessing to him. Whereas for me, it's been mostly a curse. And I think that's because I have found that most people do not want to hear, hey, have you ever thought about doing it a different way? Or you know what I've noticed? Or when I tried that, it did not go well. And what I found worked really well. I've just found more often than not, people really 
don't want unsolicited advice. So I've learned to just ask, Hey, did you want to know, or, or would it be okay if I, if I told you what I thought, or sometimes I don't even ask. Sometimes I just keep my mouth shut and just wait to see if they want to know. But earlier this year, I got together with three friends for a weekend and we were sitting and chatting one night and I was mentioning we were talking about this very thing, like unsolicited advice and, you know, should people listen or not listen? And what, when do you say something to somebody or don't you? And I just brought up, you know, hey, this is what happened to me. And maybe this has formed my whole um, personality. And maybe this is why strategy is my number one personality trait. But I went to school for creative writing and literature. And the very first class that I went, um, that I was part of was a writing workshop where we all wrote something, we'd write a story and then we'd make however many copies there were for people in the class, we had to give it to them. And then our job was to listen to their thoughts on our story. So sometimes they'd be like, well, this doesn't make sense at all, or I don't believe this, or this is unrealistic, or this whole part needs to go. It doesn't add to the story. It's distracting, whatever. And freshmen in a writing workshop are so obvious because they're the ones who are going, well, well, actually it did happen. And, and so it's not unrealistic. Or they'd say, well, I disagree because of ABCD. And what you learn very quickly, right away in the first couple of weeks, the writing instructors will tell you, listen, you have to decide if you're here to learn or if you just want to justify all your mistakes or all the things that you do, because that's a very different path. If you want to learn, we're here to tell you how to make a better story. But if you're just going to ignore and disregard our criticism, or if you're unwilling to listen, then you are going to leave this workshop with the exact same skill level as you entered it. And so not only was I trained to accept criticism, but also to welcome it. And besides that, I was put in a situation where it was my job as a participant in this workshop to offer my suggestions to other people on a weekly basis to all the people in the class. So that was the whole role as we, we read these stories critically and said our you know thoughts on it. And we were going through at the same time studying you know, all the great writers of the time. And so we were critically learning what they did to make a good story at the same time that we were trying to help others make good stories. So with that as a backdrop, you know, I go out into the world not realizing that everybody hasn't been in my writer workshops and that they don't all have the same frame of mind. They haven't been taught that, listen, if you're going to learn you're going to have to accept criticism and you're going to want the people around you. You're going to want their opinions because they're going to make you far better. So listen to them. Tell, listen to what they're telling you to do. When they say something, take note of it. Little, a little hard when the rest of the world hasn't been in that predicament. But we're told that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And yet we all do it. 
There are things that we have all struggled with for how many years, whether it's your weight or the clutter in your house, or you, you're saying, oh, I never have friends, or I don't get out with my friends that much. And yet every Friday night, what do you do? You sit down with your book or your remote control, instead of reaching out and texting a friend and saying, hey, do you want to go have supper? Or do you want to go do something? And so we all fall into these traps of doing the same thing over and over and over, and then complaining that nothing changes and that nothing is different. One of the things that I've really noticed this year is the whole speck and plank thing that Jesus said. You know, he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, He said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye all the while having a plank in your own? So we all do it. We can all see what's obvious to us is how other people need to change or things could be dramatically different if they just did this. And yet none of us can see our own failings. We walk right into the same traps day after day after day. And that whole insanity thing, we just don't understand why nothing ever changes. So several years back, I discovered something that has kind of made a difference in my life. And, and it's been of note because I discovered the power of 10 minutes. So when my kids were much smaller, I still picked them up from school. And so I'd look at the clock and and I'd have 10 minutes until I needed to leave, right? And I'd think, oh, I'm not going to get anything done for 10 minutes. So I'd just whip out my phone or go sit at my computer and I'd scroll through Facebook for 10 minutes and then I'd get in the car and go pick them up. And one day it occurred to me, I wonder what I could get done in 10 minutes. And so I did my dishes and I was like, wow, now I'm going to come home to a clean kitchen And so the next day I was like, huh, I wonder what I could do today. And I folded a basket of laundry. And so it became this little challenge for me, like the power of 10 minutes. What can I do in 10 minutes? And I found I could accomplish a lot. You can read a chapter in the Bible. You can sweep your floor. Sometimes if if it's not too dirty, you can sweep your floor and wash your floor. Or, you know, you can clean your entryway or wipe down the bathroom or whatever. I mean, there's so many things that you can do in 10 minutes. And by disregarding those 10 minutes, I didn't realize that I was not only not accomplishing anything, but I was setting myself up for walking into the same old mess and just sort of being deflated, just walking in the door. But to do the opposite, accomplishing something, when I walked in the door and I saw, oh, the kitchen is cleaned up, that sort of motivated me to want to do more. And it's like that for anything. You know, the power of 10 minutes is if you really struggle with prayer, just do it for 10 minutes. I just, it's a beautiful day right now. So I just took 10 minutes, walked up and down my driveway and I prayed. And, you know, 10 minutes in the Bible, like I said, reading uh, a psalm or two, can just totally take you out of your here and now and refocus you on God and and his thoughts and views instead of just getting stuck in your own little rabbit hole and your own little thoughts and struggles. Um, 10 minutes of being grateful. Take 10 minutes and call your mom. If you still have a mom in your life, that's amazing. Take 10 minutes and call her. So to get back to the knowledge, the discipline, and not living in the stupid way, maybe you don't have people around you who can suggest a better way or offer your guidance. What do you do then? Well, I've got three things. First of all, look at what you've Googled lately. So 
a lot of times we Google the things that we really want help with, right? So you Google, what can I make for supper? Or quick and easy supper suggestions. Or how do I declutter a room? Or how do I make a flower bed less weedy? Or whatever it is, right? So whatever you're Googling, you're actually looking for advice. And if you're looking for advice, that's a great time to take the advice. So a lot of times we Google things and we have all these articles that we actually read. How do I get rid of belly fat, right? And you read these things or you see these videos and you're like, uh, instead of just looking at the video, instead of just reading the article, take the advice. Do what it says to do. In the spring of 2020, when we were in lockdown mode, I was watching one of my favorite Christian musicians. They were they had put out a just a video of what they were doing to stay in shape because they couldn't go to the gym anymore. And he had this exercise video where he was just showing like a couple real quick moves that would keep you strong, your core, blah, blah, blah. And he's in the middle of the video and he's like, you better not be sitting on the couch just watching. And in all honesty, not only was I sitting on the couch watching, but I had an Oreo in my hand at the time. And I was like, oh man, he just called me out as he should have. Because here I am and my gym had closed. And I was like, man, what am I going to do to stay in shape? And here I am sitting on my couch, eating an Oreo, watching him do these exercises, not at all participating. He called me out. and I was like, okay, put the Oreo down. Start doing what he's telling you to do. Let's go. (laughs) So when you Google something or when you look something up, if you're going and looking for advice, take it. Number two, take notes or meditate when you read the Bible. I figured out a while ago that these aren't just random accounts. I mean, God tells us that everything that was written was for our instruction and for our learning and to encourage us. But God isn't fickle. If it's in the Bible, there is a purpose. Don't just read quickly and move on and not even consider what God is trying to teach us. So for instance, I'm just going to, I pick something super random. I didn't even, I, the first thing that came to mind, I thought the book of Job. Look at the book, book of Job. What can we learn from the book of Job? Well, during our worst times, some people just won't be that much help. In fact, they might even say things that hurt us badly. There's nothing new about this. It doesn't mean that they're terrible people. It means they don't understand and they're trying to explain and they're grasping at straws. And we're going to need to ignore them for a while. His friends accused Job of causing his misfortune by his lifestyle. And what we learned in the book of Job is what Solomon would teach us later on in the book of Ecclesiastes. In chapter 9, verse 11, he said, The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. You know, when his friends accused him of doing something wrong that caused God to punish him by taking his children and his cattle and having all this misfortune come upon him, 
Job defended himself and he was like, listen, I, I, you're wrong. Like, I didn't do that. That's, I've been living honestly and with integrity and I care for the poor. And I've made a commitment that I'm not going to look at women lustfully. I, like, I've, I've done these things. Like, that, that's not, you're wrong. And we get this unbelievable view into heaven and the fact that Job was right. It wasn't because he was suddenly wicked that God brought about this misfortune. It was actually just the opposite. It's because of his righteousness that Satan started taking note of him and saying, you know, almost a challenge to God, like he's following you and he's believing you and he's righteous because you keep blessing him. But if your blessings were gone, you know what? He'd curse you to your face. So we were given this glimpse and, and we see that it actually wasn't Job's own, you know, efforts or his lack of integrity that brought this about. It just, sometimes things just happen, which is a really important lesson to learn. And then as we get to the last chapters, you know, God just reminded Job, hey, listen, I am so much higher. My ways are so much bigger than you. And sometimes, even when things really stink, you just remember, I'm I'm in control. I'm on the throne. I got this. Like, I laid the foundations of the earth. I formed all the animals. I, I make things all sort of work together. So I think I can handle this. And, you know, it's it's the lesson that I need to learn. When I'm in the middle of a storm, I need to learn time and time again. I don't have to go to God and tell him all the ways to fix this and make it right. In truth... I don't know. I just need to go to God and say, I'm pretty small in this situation. And I don't know the answer, but I'm going to the God of the impossible. And I'm going to the God of miracles. And I'm going to the God who loves me. And I'm saying, help and be with me and give me the strength. And I don't get it. And I would love some answers. And if you could clue me in, but if you don't clue me in, and if I'm not going to know why this happened or how this happened or whatever, then just settle down my mind so I can just trust and put my unwavering trust and faith in you. And that's such a good reminder for me every time I read the book of Job. So whatever it is, whatever part of the Bible that you're reading, just really try to take a moment, meditate and think, what is God telling me today? What lesson can I learn from this? And by the way, I'm just going to put in a little plug. If you haven't ever taught Sunday school, man, the Sunday school curriculum is a good way to learn so many of the truths of scripture because in the Sunday school teachers notes and and the things that they give you to prepare for the lessons, a lot of these things are pointed out. So, you know, when you teach a lesson, they want to give you the main truths and some, you know, then side truths and things to think about. And when you're teaching and Years and years and years of teaching Sunday school and Bible history have been wonderful to point out things that I would never see in scripture. And so that's a great way to learn these truths and to see some of the things that God was trying to make sure that we understood um, as we as we read the Bible. So just a little plug there. If you haven't taught Sunday school lately, sign up for next year. Number three, take note of the complaints of your friends or family. So the things that people are put off by that you do, 
So whatever it is, if your husband looks hurt when you say something in a certain way, there's a good chance that maybe you could have been more kind. Maybe it didn't even need to be said. If your kids quit texting you because you're always complaining, maybe it's time to look for things to be grateful for. If you're starting to say something at work and someone rolls their eyes and walks away, there's a good chance that maybe you're making a mountain out of a molehill or you haven't been the best coworker lately or whatever. So if you're noticing that people around you are put off or maybe giving you funny looks or not as friendly as they used to be, maybe it's time to really take a step back and take a look at the situation, see if you've been the kind of person that you should be, see if you've been as kind and loving and patient, see if you've been a good family member or team member or spouse. And if you haven't, you know what, it's not the end of the world. Just take note of it and it's time to go back to that discipline and the knowledge and the correction and reset so that you can be a better spouse or a better mother or a better friend or a better coworker. Look, we all get in these funks where we're just like, eh, not the person that we should be. In fact, there was a certain week a while back and I sort of stepped out of a a room. I was at work and I just like started ranting to a coworker. And I said something about, I don't know why I'm in such a bad mood. And he said to me, yeah, you're not usually like this. And when he said that, it was just like the slap, you know, that I needed. And I went into another room and I did something and I came back and I apologized. I'm like, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today, whatever. I'm, I'm sorry. You don't deserve to hear me just complain and rant and I'm going to work on my attitude and, you know, I'm just, I'm sorry. So when people around you make those statements or they're like, huh, don't seem like you're quite yourself today or whatever, just take a step back. Maybe it's time to apologize, take a deep breath, ask the Lord to create in you a clean heart and restore the joy of his salvation. Uh, I love to pray that and um, see if you can reset and make things a little bit better. Tom Stoppard said, we give advice by the bucket, but take it by the grain. And I think that's something that we need to think about. Taking advice is pretty important and being open to what other people are trying to show us, what they're trying to tell us, or even when they're just saying, hey, you know, you've come on a little strong lately. If you could take a step back or um, I would really appreciate if you did this. Take note of those things. Don't just immediately start justifying how you're doing things or saying, you know, well, if you knew what I went through, there's a time and a place for that. But sometimes we just need to embrace discipline, get the knowledge that we get from each situation, and accept correction. Because the Bible tells us if we don't, we're stupid. And I don't think any of us want that. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. My friends don't have to wonder what I like or don't like, because you may have guessed this about me, but I'm not one to keep the good stuff for myself. 
If you know someone who would benefit from this episode, send it to them. And then meet for coffee, and four hours later, you'll both have a new attitude on life. Or maybe that's just me. Either way, thanks for being here, and have a great week.